today, we're going to unpack the second eye, which is inspired. And I am really, really thrilled to be able to have talked Dan Dean into sharing his take on what it means uh, to be around people who are inspired, who are inspiring. And, you know, uh, if, if you follow Christian music at all, you know of Dan Dean as the golden-voiced lead singer of Phillips, Craig, and Dean. Uh, but the fact is, all three of the guys in Phillips, Craig, and Dean, Randy Phillips, Sean Craig, Dan Dean, are pastors and lead pastors. And uh, they all happen to be friends of mine for many, many years, and they all lead great churches. Uh, Dan has been one of my closest friends for probably 30 years now. And uh, we've preached for each other many, many, many times over the years. And uh, it's been too long since he's been here, which is his fault, I'm sure. If some, anything's wrong in the relationship, it's definitely his fault. And uh, we love Dan here. He serves as one of our presbyters here at the Life Christian Church and has again for many years. And uh, he's going to come, he's going to speak, uh, and then he's going to do a great song. I'm so glad everybody's here, and I hope that you'll give Dan Dean a great big TLCC welcome. You know what? I am so excited to be here today, to be part of this series that you started last Sunday. I watched the message so I could try to be up to speed on what you're talking about. I watched a very good and very lengthy presentation that Pastor Smith used last week. I hope you will allow me to call uh, his his introduction down to just a few brief sentences today. There are certain values that should define you as a leader of being indispensable. And I was assigned to talk to you of the, the, about the task of one of those values today, and that is a leader being inspiring. So I'm going to talk to you about an inspiring leader. How's that for an introduction? I know he was setting up the series, but it took him 20 minutes to say that right there last Sunday. Uh, with that in mind, I sat down this week, and I wrote out some things that I, uh, I believe are characteristics about people that have inspired me and uh, things that are part of being an inspired leader in person. Your pastor in this church being part of that. Uh, so please allow me to share a few of the traits of people who have inspired me and by the way, they're not uh, prioritized in any order of importance. The first is this. I am inspired by people who convey an optimistic vision of the future. That inspires me. Somebody that has an optimistic view, uh, vision of the future and where they're going. Vision is inspiring. The Bible is replete with inspiring uh, people who conveyed God-given vision as leaders. From the Old Testament heroes of the faith like Abraham and Moses to New Testament legends like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, the very first pastor evangelist who thought up the idea of planting and satellite churches. He was the very first one. He handled his satellite church through letters of instruction that he would write to the churches. 
people who can paint a picture of something that is yet unseen by the vast majority of people. It is something that inspires me as a leader and is coveted by leaders abroad. Listen, the scripture is very clear that vision is required for any person or organization to have not just success, but to actually survive. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Let me give you a quick example of someone who came into my life a few years ago who exemplifies this. Uh, just a few days ago, I returned from my first trip to Africa. I went to Uganda for a 10-day medical missions trip. An investment banker who attends our church, Pastor Terry, I have investment bankers that attend our church, all right? Uh, this investment banker begged me to meet a gentleman uh, in Dallas, a retired businessman. At the time I met Charles Loper, he was 72 years old. This successful businessman, well, you know, when most people at that age are exploring the possibilities of what to check off of their bucket list in retirement, Charles Loper had a very different story for me. He had visited the country of Uganda on a short missions trip, and while there, something happened to Charles that was quite remarkable. The poverty broke his heart, and the people captured his heart. And after his initial trip, Charles made a commitment. He said to himself, I'm going to go to Uganda every two weeks for a year. And he would, he would go to Uganda for two weeks, come home for two weeks, and did this for an entire year. My friends, this is not like flying from Dallas to Newark, which is a long enough flight. I just made the trip a few days ago, and including the van ride to the airport, the layovers at various airports. It was around 40 hours one way of travel. In my very initial meeting with Charles, I joined him at lunch at this very his very posh country club, and I listened to his story. And, of course, I'm trying to get to know Charles. I said, Charles, what is it that you're trying to accomplish in Uganda? And his response caught me off guard. He said, Dan, I'm going to change the culture of Uganda. I thought to myself, why don't you pick something a little challenging? Um, then he began to tell me of what was happening with the ministry that he had started and were, was involved with. I heard him explain, we can't just go over and give money and give food to enable them to remain in their poverty. We must somehow provide a way uh, with education and teaching and enabling them to lift their mentality and provide a path of escape from the place they find themselves. So his first order of business was to build a school, a school that now has over 500 students and by the way his students just tested the highest of any school in Uganda but he realized that education for the children is just not enough I've got to change the hearts of the adults so he came up with a program get the word out if you'll come in six hours a week for training and discipleship I will at the end of, a, of, of the six of uh, six week period I'll give you a dozen chickens now, that's a big deal there, okay? If you come for a year, I'll give you a pregnant pig. If you come for two years, I'll give you a cow. Let me help you escape the poverty trap you are in by giving you an escape plan that will lift you out of where you find yourself because they have 
almost no other alternatives. Just the other day, I toured his agricultural facility. I stepped into one of the sessions where on a Wednesday afternoon, about 30 adults, husbands and wives, sat around a table studying God's Word and principles of leadership six hours a week. I toured the brand new hospital that he just completed with funds he raised in the States that has a nutrition clinic that is preventing babies from dying and is educating mothers on how to properly care for their children. This is a man who is now 76 years old. In the last five years, Charles has made 76 trips to Uganda. And now instead of two weeks at a time, it's two months and three months at a time. In fact, on my trip, I toured the little 1,000 square foot apartment that he and his wife have decided they will occupy six months out of the year, selling his 6,000 square foot home in an upscale area of Dallas. This kind of vision inspires me to want to do something great with my life. I'm inspired by people who have an optimistic vision of the future. I'm inspired, number two, by people who point out potential and possibilities I had not considered. Don't you love someone who can help you to do bigger and better things with your life? Yes. And the inspiration for us is starting off with the God we serve. Hey, how do you improve on the Grand Canyon? Have you been there? Look at that thing, stand at the edge. Hey, I was in Yosemite where I spent a few days on a study break a few years ago. I wonder what the world would have looked like if some people I know have been in charge of creation. Boring. But not our creator. Flowers and birds and landscapes, all varied and spectacular. And I know this verse will be new for you, but the greatest of inspirational figures wanted you to see potential and possibilities in your life. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I am praying about writing a book right now. I think I'm going to call it Live Ten. One of the great books ever written. And y'all, that inspired me just reading that book. I love being around people who point out potential and possibilities that I had not experienced in my life. A few years ago, I stood with uh, one of our elders in our church, and we were enlarging the, our building. And uh, I told him, I said, Brad, I don't know how it can happen, but I, I've envisioned in my mind out here in this foyer, we didn't have a baptistry in our church, and it was a big deal to bring in a portable baptistry when we were going to have a, a baptism service. So I said, I envision in my mind right out here in this foyer a big fountain, and it's deep enough where we can baptize people, but when we're not baptizing, it serves as a beautiful fountain. And Brad, being the great dreamer that he is, went home. And came back to me. And ladies and gentlemen, this guy painted a picture of something I had in my head, but I couldn't quite put my hands around it. Of this, this fountain that 
The water overflows these, these stones and comes down to a resting, and it recycles itself. And, and you know what? If you come and visit us in Dallas, you're going to see what was in somebody's head long before it actually was there. I love hanging around people who can inspire me to see what I can't see even in myself. And I want to be that kind of person for others. Leadership is unlocking people's potential to become better people. And I am inspired by people who point out potentials and possibilities that I had not considered. We were in a swimming pool on vacation together in Mexico. The Smiths, the Smith family and the Dean family. And way before the book was written, Pastor Smith started telling me the story of how his wife had decided she was going to run the New York City Marathon and about how, you know, he wanted to support her. And it all got, you know, read the book if you want to know the whole story. And as he was sitting there telling me about Sharon and her desire to run the New York City Marathon and something, I was, I was turning 50 in just a few months and some crazy thought entered my head. I can run a marathon. Not a good idea, ladies and gentlemen, but I thought it, and then I went home, and I thought about it some more, and I called Sharon, and I said, tell me about running this marathon, and we talked on the phone, and she inspired me to get up in front of the whole church in January, the year I turned 50, and say, say to everybody in the church, this year, I'm going to run a marathon. I knew if I did that, I couldn't back out at that point. A whole year of training all the way to October, and I ran the Marine Corps Marathon in Washington, D.C., 26.2 miles. Now, it took me six and a half hours, Sharon, to do it, and I thought I was going to die several times, and I have not run one time since. But how many of you can say you've ran in a marathon? I tell you, I'm one of a very small percentage because a young lady inspired me to do something that I had never dreamed I had the potential of doing. I love to be around people like that. I'm inspired by people who believe in others to get the job done. Nehemiah couldn't rebuild the walls by himself. He had to inspire others to help. Leaders inspire buy-in from others. So many great leaders think they're great because they're the only ones they feel that it can accomplish the mission that God inspires in their life. Have you ever known somebody like that? One of the valuable lessons that I learned early on in my ministry in life was this. I could do everything by myself and probably do it better than most people, but I could not accomplish anything great without surrounding myself with capable people. I could and would never experience great things as the Lone Ranger. It can only come through a group effort. Phil Jackson, the great basketball coach, said, the strength of the, the team is each individual team member, but the strength of each member is the team. If you want to be an indispensable person, learn to be a person that believes in others and help them accomplish the dream that God has given to them. 
Boy, I heard the greatest speech by somebody this weekend just talking all about that, helping others to accomplish their dreams. I look around this building today. I was here when you were having services in the church basement across town. I was here when you worshiped in the renovated bowling alley next to the liquor store where you had absolutely no place to park. That was insanity over there. I was here when you purchased what was going to be the dream campus at another piece of property. And I remember the days you started exploring the potential of this property. And I recall your leader inspiring others by believing them that together we can accomplish something great. And today you are sitting in what one time was just a dream in somebody's mind. You came together as a team, inspired by a great leader. Listen, it is always involving others and then others believing in what you're dreaming about that allows you to get the job done. And I am inspired by people who can look at others who might seem less valuable to the masses and see the unmined potential and then not only see it but bring it out. And sometimes... That requires you to listen what, to, to what somebody else is saying. And, and there's a reason somebody said it this way, that God gave us two ears and one mouth. I saw something not long ago in that great bastion of wisdom, Cracker Barrel. Do you have those up here? It said, in life, God will give you many opportunities to bite your tongue. Take advantage of every one of them. Start listening. Did you happen to see the video clip of a father talking to his infant son about the NBA Finals a few weeks ago? If you didn't see this, you have to see it. It's been viral, been viewed many times. Take a look at this right here. Did you understand it, though? No. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh no, not not this one. This is this is the grand finale of it. Okay, the last. Yeah, that's the last one. That's what I was wondering. I don't know what they're gonna do next season because they did some stuff this time. Exactly what I was thinking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, don't bring that again. You know what I'm saying? Don't do the same stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I was like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, go somewhere else with that, but don't break it here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I said. And he was like, ah, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, what in the world? But don't do that here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really? I thought the same thing. <laughs> we think a lot alike, huh? <laughs> That's crazy. Right. Do you think sometimes that's a picture of God with us? Sometimes when we think we're so good that we have to do everything ourselves, that, that God probably 
You know, I think he probably could do a good job just by himself. But the truth of the matter is that God incorporates us into what he wants to accomplish here on earth and doesn't really operate outside of what he's going to work through us in doing. God humbles himself to have a conversation with us, and he works in cooperation with us to accomplish his will here on earth. I want to be the kind of leader who believes in others around me to accomplish the plan and destiny of God on this earth. And I have to have this understanding that I have to involve others in the process to see that happen. I'm inspired by people who see the best in others. Have you ever experienced a more contentious period of time in your life than what we're living in now? It's so easy to slam somebody with a different opinion than you. It's called Facebook. Say what you want to say about somebody else. Don't take the time to understand where they're coming from and what they've experienced in their life. Don't take the time to try and walk in somebody else's shoes. Just climb onto Facebook and start ripping someone's life to shreds. Jump on the negativity bandwagon. They ought to call it hate book. This man here, his name Patrick Stewart. He's a famous actor. You probably recognize him. What's not known about Patrick Stewart is that he grew up in the home of an abusive, alcoholic, violent father. So when Patrick Stewart graduated from high school, he left home. And he was estranged from his dad for 40 years. Because every time he thought about his dad, his memories were of a, a man who was angry and bitter. And it just created such resentment in his heart. He didn't want to be around him. But as his dad grew older, started dealing with sickness and closing in on death, someone born in Patrick Stewart's hometown told Patrick, I don't know if you know this or not, but your dad has wrestled with PTSD over the years. Patrick's mouth fell open. He had no idea that his dad had even fought in the war. World War II different fronts, fought in one of the worst battles in human history. His, and this knowledge, this understanding of his dad caused a barrier to be broken down to where he could start to love his father. How many times do we not engage with people because we have no understanding of where they came from, what they have walked through in their life? I want to be the type of leader and person that I understand that I don't always know the backstory of somebody's life, and I need God to help me to understand where they're coming from. I want to believe in others. I believe in something that our church we call redemptive lift. It's when you get around good people who have good attributes in their life, it causes everybody in that arena to be lifted up. All the ships rise when the water rises in the harbor. I can't be a judge of other people. God has called me to love people and to see the best in them. A famous theologian by the name of John Stott said it best when he said this, it is sinful to look for something wrong in somebody else's life 
and delight in finding it. Listen, the leader that you serve, the inspiring leader that you serve, didn't delight in finding wrong in us. He died for us. He didn't point out your problems. He picked them up and carried them to a cross where you could be freed from them forever. I love that about him. And I want to be that for other people. What about you? I saw a video not long ago of a farmer who had lost his dog. His lab had been gone for a week, this black lab. And he was working in the field and saw from afar off his dog running in his direction, so he started videoing. But he noticed his dog was leading another dog. And he thought, where did you find that dog? And then behind that dog was another animal. And he didn't even know what it was until it got close, and then he realized it was a goat. Do dogs talk? Obviously, this dog had communicated with the others. You're welcome to be along with me because not only did they follow him through the field, they jumped right up into the van, into the pickup truck with him. I saw this and I thought to myself, wow, isn't that a picture of our mission as a church and leaders is to make people feel so comfortable that regardless of where they come from, they can follow us effortlessly and feel welcomed and warm in our presence. The ability to see past the differences in someone and to recognize their gifts and talents. You can find it if you look long enough. I want to be the inspiring person who sees the best in others. After all, while I was still a sinner, Jesus saw the best in me and he died for me. I'm inspired by people who are authentic and vulnerable. It has been said down south that the tone of voice that Southerners use allows them to be able to insult you and get by with it. Honey, how are you? You're as big as a cow. But if you say it with the lift on the end of the sentence, it's a compliment. I know that's not the truth. I do know this. Most people in life can spot a fake a hundred miles away, right? You know what I love most about your pastor and his wife? They are real people. They don't put themselves up on a pedestal. They're authentic. They don't try to act like they're better than you. They're real, just real people. Remember Billy Joel's song years ago? Honesty is such a lonely word. Nobody remembers this song. Billy Joel's from up here, isn't he? Everyone is so untrue. Honesty is hardly ever heard, but mostly what I... I can't believe you people. This is Billy Joel, all right? Being real and vulnerable takes courage. I counsel with people. And I've counseled a lot with people in my day. And I've done a lot of counseling. I've been to counseling. I used to be rather ashamed to say that. But over time, I've come to realize that when I sit down with somebody that I'm about to offer advice and to try to pour in their lives, I've realized that I can relate more 
with them. If before we start, I share with them some of my own struggles and say, hey, I just want you to know you're not alone in what you're, you're walking through. I've been through something myself, and I can give encouragement, and they are more receptive to what I have to say if they know I've struggled in my life as well. Hey, get off of this stuff on your high horse of where you got to act like you don't have any problems in life. How about coming down off of that little mountain? Because we all have stuff. Yeah, we do. Real isn't how you're made, said the skin horse. You remember this from the Velveteen Rabbit, famous Marjorie Williams Bianca. Real isn't how you're made. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child really loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt? Asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you're real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up or bit by bit? Doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or who have to be really carefully kept. Generally, by the time you're real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you're real, you can't be ugly except to the people who don't understand. Breen Brown, the, the writer of the great book, Daring Greatly, says this, if you trade your authenticity, uh, authenticity for safety, you may experience the following, anxiety, depression, eating disorders, addiction, rage, blame, resentment, and inexplicable grief. Can I tell you today what the world needs more of that would bring inspiration to so many as people who dare to be real and authentic? I'm inspired by people who are passionate Please, 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 don't be boring. Don't be boring. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be boring. Don't be boring. Uh, some of you say, I'm low-key and I'm not all that excitable. Don't be boring. Don't use that as an excuse for boredom. Do something. Our great example, Jesus was a man of passion, as you've heard a lot of times with, with the, the new book that Pastor Smith has written. He wept. He laughed. He enjoyed life. He had emotions. He enjoyed food and drink and people and solitude. Passion is the fuel that will continue to carry you when the energy of your life has been depleted, and it will inspire others around you. Hey, husbands, 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 do something nice for your wife. I thought I would get an amen from the ladies in the room today. And you know what? You have to explore and figure out what that is. For several, several years, I thought my wife would get really inspired by me stopping at the corner and picking up Roses from the guy who stood there selling them. She didn't. I thought it was great. But you know, she knew that it cost me about $5. And all I had to do was to roll the window down and hand a $5 bill out the window. I had to learn 
To be romantic with my wife takes some creativity. It took planning. And guys, let me tell you, when I invested the time and the energy and the effort and the creativity to do something really special, it paid big dividends. Hallelujah to God. Just don't be boring. I got 15 seconds left. Of course, if I emulate your pastor, I'm going to go another 20 minutes right now. I love you, Pastor Smith. Let me, let me wind up today by telling you the story of, uh, that's behind one of the songs of Phillips, Craig, and Dean. The story of inspiration. A, a friend of Randy Phillips in our group found out that one of the top heart surgeons in his church or in, in the state of Ohio attended his church. And so uh, he, he was one of these high adrenaline, very passion-filled pastors, you know. I mean, do crazy stuff like, you know, jump out of a perfectly good airplane with a little backpack on his back and parachute and jump off a cliff with, you know, the bungee thing and ride motorcycles. He's just this high adrenaline, uh, one adventure. And when he found out that this surgeon was in a church, he would not, he was not going to stop until he talked his way into actually being in the room when an open heart surgery took place. And so he managed to finally do it. I don't know how many rules were broken. He didn't really care. And uh, the, the, the surgeon had prepped him ahead of time and told him, here's what's going to happen. And the musicians are coming because if they, oh, they're here. Wow, there. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to bring this lady in, beautiful lady in her 50s. And it's pretty barbaric. We're going to saw her chest cavity open. We're going to pry back the rib cage. We're going to extract the heart, remove the heart from the chest cavity. We're going to make the repairs, and then we'll reattach the heart inside her chest cavity. And the body is so fearfully and wonderfully made that most of the time, all we have to do is just massage the heart a little, and the heart will start beating on its own. So he was enthralled, this pastor was. He watched as they brought the lady in. Everything went as planned. And he, he watched as this surgeon with great skill repaired the heart, reinserted the heart, reattached the heart, checked for any leakage of the valves. And, and then the surgeon rubbed, massaged the heart, and nothing happened. He massaged again. Nothing. Then some more extreme measures. And still the heart would not start to beat. And the pastor in the corner was knew that there was a, a period of time that they had to get the heart beating, and he thought to himself, this, this surgeon friend of mine is about to lose this patient. Then the surgeon did a strange thing. He walked to the head of the gurney, and he knelt down into the ear of the unconscious lady, 
And he said, Mrs. Johnson, this is your surgeon. Your heart has been repaired. The surgery was a success. Tell your heart to beat again. And somewhere down in that unconscious woman's uh, spirit, something gave instructions, and he watched the monitor as the heart began to beat. Some of you sit here this morning, and when I talk about inspiration, it seems foreign to your life right now. Because although you're here today and you're sitting in these chairs, something has happened in your life that makes you feel dead inside. And you're breathing, but it's like the walking dead. You're not really living. I want to tell you that Jesus Christ, the great surgeon, hung on a cross for you. And he stands beside you today instructing you that there is a greater and better life and that he has dreams for you. And you need to tell your heart to beat again. And this pastor came all the way from Texas, this pastor who loves this church and loves, loves you, came all the way to, from Texas to give you a message today. That's this. You're going to live again, and you're going to laugh again. Now tell your heart to beat again. <laughs>